listening to the Pro Bono Happy Hour. I'm Rena Gleaser. Welcome back. In what's become an annual tradition, today we're going to preview the upcoming PBI annual conference. This episode is going to drop on March 2nd, which means the conference is next week. To help me in making her podcast debut is Elise DeRaita. Elise has been helping produce the pod since she joined PBI over the summer in June? June, yep. Yeah. She's booked guests and worked on post-production and marketing. She's been amazing. Welcome, Elise. Hi, I'm glad to be here. Um, Just a little bit about myself. I'm from Providence, Rhode Island, also known as the smallest state with the longest name, if anyone didn't know that. But you you don't like coffee milk, so I challenge your heritage. (laughs) I do hate it, but I love seafood, so I think I have that going. And Italian food. And eating endlessly. (laughs) Um, So since I did come here in June, I've never been to a conference, and this is my first one. So could you tell me something about the overview or what I have to look forward to? Yeah, of course. So I think one of the unique aspects of our conference for the more than 20 years that it's been been going are that in a way it's several conferences in one. The theory is it's amazing for the pro bono community to have time together for representatives from law firms and in-house legal departments and public interest and pro bono programs, legal services groups to come together and talk about pro bono and access to justice. But it's also important that people have time to talk to their peers and people from their same demographic. So there's time in the schedule of the program for attendees from law firms to have time together to talk about things that are going on at law firms and unique challenges and opportunities that they face, time for representatives and leaders from in-house legal departments to spend together. And this year we're very excited that through collaboration with leaders in the public interest community, we've brought back time for public interest representatives to spend together and talk about issues of unique concern to them. So that's one sort of overarching highlight of the way that the conference is organized. And it's interesting. I think my first few conferences, I put an enormous amount of focus on the content and the session programs. And obviously that's important to us. And we spend sort of all year planning for for each conference. But what I've learned is that for many attendees, some of the most important learning and bang for their conference buck, so to speak, happens outside the lines in the networking opportunities, not necessarily during the formal programming. So it's equally important, I think, that attendees come and take seriously the formal learning opportunities, but the informal networking opportunities are equally, if not more important. I've heard so much about how much people love the networking opportunities. Could you tell me more about what they are? Yeah, so let's break it down and talk a little bit about networking opportunities. So there really is a variety. One networking opportunity that we added recently, two or three years ago, are regional networking opportunities for attendees from law firms and in-house legal departments. And the idea behind that is, People are coming from all over the country, from all over the world to talk pro bono. Wouldn't it be great to give people time to talk about issues, challenges, opportunities, success stories that are going on locally in their communities? And we couldn't have a session for each city. That would be too in the weeds. So we've broken it down by regions. And it's a great 
opportunity, as they used to say, all politics are local, right? In many respects, all pro bono is local, so it's a good opportunity to talk about what's going on in the ground and on the ground um, where you may be. And I, I think another way to use the regional networking opportunities are, let's say you are a pro bono leader at a law firm and you're in Washington, D.C. That's great. You might know a lot about what is going on where you are, right? The pro bono opportunities in Washington, D.C. But your firm has offices all over the country, or you've just opened some new offices in certain parts of the country. And maybe what you're struggling with is the pro bono landscape in California, because you have a new office in Silicon Valley, or in LA, or San Francisco, and you haven't been able to spend much time out there, you're busy, and the bang for your buck would be to go to the regional for the West and to make some connections with people out in California and to learn about the legal services providers and the opportunities and what's going on there. So I think it's an unconventional way of thinking about it. Most people would probably think, ah, I should go to the region where I live. And that's certainly where most people go, but maybe you wanna kind of go outside of where you spend most of your time and think about, wow, where am I actually challenged? Maybe that's where I should go and make some connections and, and learn and meet new people. Um, so that's one networking opportunity. Another networker, networking opportunity are sessions called P2Ps, which, st which stand for peer to peers. And the idea behind those are, wouldn't it be valuable to spend some time talking with people who share the same role that you have? So, as we talked about a minute ago, wouldn't it be interesting to talk about people who come from the same part of the country or same part of the world as you do? You have a certain role at your law firm, whether you are a pro bono committee chair, you also have a billable practice, you're really busy, or maybe you work on pro bono full time. That's a certain sort of responsibility set. Wouldn't it be great to meet with your peers and talk about issues of concern to you and to your demographic. So you could imagine if we had a peer-to-peer, -peer, all of the PBI project assistants could sit down and meet and you could talk about what issues you face and how you spend your time and what Excel tricks could you share or what IMAS database issues, you know, tricks of the trade. And so that's the idea behind the peer-to-peers and I think that they serve a great purpose for, for people. We also have unstructured meals and um, snack breaks. So they're a great opportunity to sort of sit and talk to the people sitting next to you or to make sort of appointment time. You know, I'll see you at lunch. Let's sit together. We haven't had time to, to chat or catch up. And I think that's an important idea that we've come to value. You know, we've, we've over-programmed every minute of the conference in some years and we've heard from people it's too much, you know, we want free time. We want time to just chat with people and, and meet people. And I, I will say, people are friendly, you know, and we wear name tags and there's good entree points. And I think sometimes, particularly if you've never come to the conference before, you don't feel super experienced with this community, you don't know people, that doesn't sound so fun to have to sit down next to strangers and talk to each other. But really we're all family and I think people are very welcoming and it's not hard to to strike up a conversation and to meet people and to talk. Um, another amazing networking opportunity is the conference reception which is a swanky nice uh, 
cocktail party, more or less. This year, we're back at the National Museum of Women in the Arts, which is a terrific venue here in Washington, D.C., and the galleries tend to stay open for us, and often there's a docent who can take people around, or you can take self-guided tour of the exhibits after there's some awards and speeches, and it's a nice, exciting time. That's actually a museum I've never been to, which I don't think I've ever told anyone. Well, you know, it's underutilized here because you have to pay. And there are so many free museums in Washington that the ones that charge an admission fee usually are somewhat under the radar screen. But even if you don't want to pay but you want to visit the museum, there's a very nice cafe. I don't think you have to pay. So if you're over in that part of town and want lunch, they have a nice cafe. And they have a really great gift shop. Which you so one other awesome networking opportunity is our pro bono expo and happy hour. And Elise, you have been working on that really um, since probably before we even explain what the conference was to you. So <laughs> why don't you explain a little bit about what you've been doing, what the Expo and Happy Hour is, and um, what people have to look forward to. I really liked working on it, like interacting with people from like all around the country and actually the world and from very different um, organizations. Uh, so it is uh, Expo and Happy Hour, so attendees can come and meet people like leaders and representatives from a number of public interest and legal aid organizations grab a drink, uh, learn about the issues and opportunities that they have to look forward to. This is definitely great for networking. I mean, you get to network with all these public interest people that also because they're international and national, you might never have met before. To see a complete list of our expo hosts, you can actually check out our blog, the PBI, which is EYE, as you see it. So in addition to our networking opportunities, are there any sessions that you can highlight that we have looked to look forward to? So. We're not gonna go over every session just because we don't have enough time, but it's like choosing your favorite children. They're all amazing. So I'm, I'm excited about all of them. You can find them online. Our website has easy links to the agendas and you can learn more there, but we're just gonna tick on a few of them. And it's interesting, Elise, thinking about sessions to highlight how many podcast guests are leading sessions. So there's a lot of tie in there. One that I was just thinking about is we have a session about juvenile lifers, which we have heard a lot about on the podcast, most recently from Whitney Unteed, and she's actually going to be speaking on that panel. So I think that's a great one and I'm looking forward to that. For law firms, one of the questions that I have been asked the most this year is about credit and how do we incentivize our lawyers at all level of seniority to do pro bono and we have an exciting session called what's in it for me that's going to talk about different policies, credit schemes, how we treat pro bono hours, and how we currently, given the current economic and business climate, incentivize pro bono at law firms. I think another cool session, and one of the things that I didn't mention in the overview is that we like to employ different ways of teaching and learning. People learn differently, and so we like to have different formats in sessions. It's not all talking heads, they're very interactive, and we have a lot of attendee participation, there are a lot of discussion groups. And sometimes we employ unconventional or dramatic formats to engage people and highlight the content that we're trying to teach. And I think that's the case with a session called What Would You Do? Which is modeled after the TV show, right? What Would You Do? I think it's on ABC. And they make up 
somewhat confrontational scenarios, right? Like it restaurants or in public you'll be seeing something crazy and the whole thing is what would you do right what would you do if you saw a parent being abusive to their child in public do you intervene do you pretend it's not happening what would you do so we're going to have some scenarios that law firm pro bono leaders encounter and talk about what would you do and one of the leaders of that session is friend of the pod ellen joseph who's been on several times recently and i think it's going to be a fun creative and interactive session many of our sessions are peer driven that is pro bono leaders in law firms and in-house legal departments and public interest groups lead the sessions peer driven but sometimes we want to bring in outside experts to share knowledge technical information or it's a dicey or sensitive issue that we really need someone with unique background it's not something that we can do peer-to-peer and so we have a couple of those sessions that i think are exciting one big priority for pbi over the last few years has been collaborative pro bono right that we can do more by working together than we can do alone if law firms could collaborate on pro bono projects and initiatives they can bring more time skill resources to bear than anyone could working alone but collaborations are difficult right just the infrastructure the back and forth the administration of it so we have a wonderful expert michelle hall she's actually from the uk who's coming to join us to talk about bigger than law one law firm and her expertise is collaborations and getting different stakeholders to work together efficiently on large projects another area where we needed expert guidance is a session that is an introduction on project management i think pro bono leaders feel often like they are just racing from one fire to another putting out (laughs) emergencies or dealing with incoming all the time and it's really demanding and we need to figure out how we can manage our time and our work in the most effective and efficient way possible so again we have friend of the pod meg spencer dixon coming back to share her expertise and skills with us about project management um one last expert session that I wanted to talk about, which I think is going to be incredibly eye-opening and uncomfortable. And to me is a good example of, we have sessions for sort of newcomers and beginners, very nuts and bolts. And we also have advanced sessions, right? People who've been to the conference, who sort of been there, done that. And we want to challenge them by bringing sort of mature content and things that they haven't really thought about or seen anywhere else. And so one example of that session is about race, privilege, and pro bono. What role might race and privilege be playing in your pro bono program, in your relationships with clients and colleagues? And we have an awesome expert facilitator, Rachel Lazar, coming um, to help lead that sensitive and, and difficult discussion that I think people are really looking forward to. Two other sessions that I wanted to highlight, because I think that they are, in a way, ripped from the headlines. Only when we were planning the conference six months ago, eight months ago, I don't think we could have known necessarily how au courant they would be. So these two are lessons from our past, which is going to revisit 
the Korematsu case and the American historical experience of interning Japanese Americans during World War II. And we have some amazing speakers, activists in the community, and people who are very well-versed in that history. It's very personal for them, and I think it's going to be amazing to hear about the historical experience and relating it to what's going on now in the present. And I think the last session I wanted to highlight for this part of our discussion is a session called Ferguson Fines and Fees. And I think this is where, you know, many of us two years ago were just riveted to the news about what was going on in Ferguson, Missouri. And in the aftermath, I think we learned a lot about public policy and how communities fund their courts and justice system with the scheme of fines and fees that falls disproportionately on the low-income members of our community and leads to a downward spiral. And I think we're going to hear a very interesting update about what public interest leaders along with pro bono partners have been doing not only in Ferguson but around the country to be fighting and advocating for saner and more fair policies regarding court fees, fine, bail, and all kinds of uh, related initiatives. So we're going to also be talking about the big elephant in the room in many ways. Could you elaborate on that? I will. So I think you would have heard this recently, actually, in our special Ellen Up in the Air episode where we highlighted um, what legal services and pro bono lawyers were doing in response to the presidential emergency, um, the presidential executive order related to travel and the travel ban. And so I think a lot of people in the pro bono community are working really overtime to think about defensive postures and proactive activities that the community can be doing to safeguard civil and criminal rights and to be vigilant in a time of political uncertainty. And so I think organically during a lot of our discussions when we talk about what's on our pro bono agenda, what are we doing, what are we thinking about, what are we looking at, what types of matters are we caring about and working at, it's going to come up. We've seen the articles about pro bono engagement going up since the election. People are just interested in helping and making a difference and getting involved, not in a partisan way, but in a access to justice helping the vulnerable. We've heard this a lot on our program, giving a voice to the voiceless, all things that pro bono leaders do to ensure access to justice for all. We have some formal programming to address this as well. We have a lunch program for law firm and in-house pro bono attendees that's going to afford you with an opportunity to hear from national legal services and public interest organization leaders in the community to talk about how their agendas have changed, what strategies and tactics they're looking to employ, and how pro bono leaders can be part of this new agenda. On Thursday at our all conference, all attendee plenary session. We're going to hear for some people who are in the trenches, activists who are working and organizing um, to bring about change, including leaders of the Women's March on Washington and how pro bono lawyers can be involved 
going forward. On Thursday, there's going to be a session called Pro Bono in the Trump administration. We're going to hear from legal services leaders around the country who are really in the trenches. What have they been doing, both in the short term and what's their vision for the long term? And then we added some bonus programming. Often the conference ends at lunchtime on Friday so people can get home, we're tired, we want to start our weekend. But this year, people really asked for extra time to sort of get together and brainstorm and talk about these issues. So that's going to be on Friday from 12 to 2, a little bit more bonus time to talk about these things. That's great that we're adding so much programming, and I've heard so much about our other Friday programming, the storytelling session. Could you tell me more about that? Oh, I would love to. So let me back up. I'll give you a little background. It's it's part of the origin story for our podcast, but it happened when the podcast Serial launched, and it sort of took over the world, right? It really resonated with people, whether you cared about the criminal justice system or you cared about the wrongfully or potentially wrongfully convicted or you cared about victims' rights. The actual topic didn't matter on one hand, It was the craft of storytelling, right? How you could take a narrative and make it just sing and be so riveting week after week after week. And it just brought people in and it attracted them to the underlying issues. And we thought, wow, this is something that we should bring to the pro bono community. In part because our attention has been very focused on metrics and data and numbers. And you, as a stats and math person, perhaps it speaks to you, Elise, to talk about how many hours of pro bono people are doing every year, how many clients are being served, how many hours of billable time, you know, that equates to, or how many dollars, right, that would be if all of that time at the firm was actually billed as opposed to worked for no compensation. And We do that too, right, with our pro bono law firm challenge. It looks at numbers, right, sort of hours and participation rates and and things like that. And that's all very important. The, The metrics and the data are critically important. But we didn't want to lose sight of other ways to express and tell our story, to to tell the pro bono story. And for some people, it's hard to make the data sing, right? It's hard in a way that telling a compelling experience that you've had, saving someone's life, keeping them in their home, getting them the veterans benefits to which they are entitled, motivates people to get involved and tells the pro bono story in a very different way. So the past two conferences, we've done regular one hour sessions on pro bono and storytelling and they've been great. They've actually been so great that we've had to turn people away because we've run out of seats in our rooms. So we thought, okay, this is something that we will bring to the whole community, not people who choose to attend this session, you know, rather than the three or four others that are going on at this time. And so to do that, we also wanted to bring in an expert, an expert trainer. And we found this group in New York called Narrative. They're also in London. I think they have offices in London and New York. And this is what they do. They work with Fortune 500 and other companies, nonprofits, NGOs, to help them tell their stories and to help motivate action and engage stakeholders, potential volunteers, funders, the community 
through storytelling. So we're really excited that Jerome DeRoy, one of their outstanding trainers um, and heads of the organization, will be joining us on Friday to lead this workshop, which we are on call, which we are calling Engage and Inspire Action, Storytelling to Enhance Pro Bono Engagement and Access to Justice. And I think people are really gonna have a lot of concrete takeaways that they'll be able to take back to their office, their organization, and the week after the conference, really use it to punch up their marketing efforts, their pitches, their outreach, and I think they're really gonna see uh, dividends and it's really gonna improve their, their programs. That sounds great. I can't wait to experience my first conference with everyone. Well, we can't wait either, and it's actually really soon, so it's crazy to think about. Do you have anything else that you wanted to talk or ask about? I don't think so, but that was a great overview. Thanks so much to Elise for joining me today, and thanks, as always, to producer Dave for all his help. We'll be off next week, busy at the conference. New episodes will return the week after, in two weeks. In the meantime, catch up on any episodes that you may have missed. Archived episodes of the podcast can be found on iTunes and YouTube. Be sure to subscribe if you haven't already. And please, if you listen on iTunes, take a moment to leave a review. We'd appreciate the feedback and it would help make it easier for other listeners to find the show. To learn more about us and the conference, visit our website, probonoinst.org. You'll find quick links to agendas and sponsorship opportunities. As always, we are grateful for your generous support, which makes our work possible. We'd love to hear from you. Send your comments, feedback, and suggestions to probono at probonoinst.org. We're overdue for another mailbag episode, so this is a great time to be in touch with us with your pro bono questions. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you again in two weeks for a new episode of the Pro Bono Happy Hour.